Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking out the series here. Uh, Hopefully, if you're not already, you'll hit that subscribe button before you get out. Uh, We put out brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Three interviews a week so you can keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can subscribe at any of the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Or, or even YouTube, really wherever you like to get your podcast from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with it. Subscribe. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm going to be talking to Mick Box of Uriah Heep. They have just released a brand new box set called 50 Years in Rock, 23 CDs. That covers, uh, I think, every one of their records, uh, including four compilations put together by the bandmates themselves about uh, their favorite tracks. So I'll be talking with Mick about all of that. And then looking back uh, through all of those years to their early days of transitioning from the band Spice to Uriah Heep and finding their sound for their very first album... Uh, into their masterpiece in the mid-70s with Look At Yourself, a breakthrough record for them, why he was attracted to fantasy lyrics, and and especially continuing that trend throughout the years, even into their newest records. Also in this box set, there's a a new artwork for the album Magician's Birthday. He'll give us the reason why on that. Uh, The late 70s found Firefly uh, with a new lead singer. Uh, I want to hear if that was uh, really a reset for the band, because it led 
to some pretty great commercial moments into the early 80s. And in fact, when you're a band for 50 years, uh, trends come and go, but Uriah Heep really always, well, they didn't really ever seem lost, I guess is what I was saying. We're going to talk about the late 80s and what the metal scene was like in the uh, 90s and trying to keep up with that as well. And of course, their next album. Uh, studio time was booked before the pandemic. Let's get the update there as well. So getting into it, Kyle Meredith with Uriah Heep. Hello, Kyle. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, congratulations on 50 years, man. Well, thanks, mate. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm so proud and honored that we've, 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 we've come this far and, and we're still looking at, um, you know, moving, moving on beyond that, you know, with new albums and new tours. So, yeah, it's, it's a great marker and... Um, Wow, you know, you never thought we were ever going to get there, but you know, not many bands have, and we have, and we're very proud of it. Yeah, you're still making excellent m- music. I know the last time we talked was behind "Living the Dream," but but now we're looking yes. at a box set, uh, 23 CDs. I mean, the the albums are in here. You've got uh, I'm reading uh, this uh, four curated compilations. And aside from the albums, I think that's one of the things fans are looking forward to. Uh, you know, each of you kind of went on and, and put together your your list of favorites. Is that what the uh, compilations are? Yeah, uh, basically, the, the, it was B&G's idea, a record company. They, they went to each individual person and said, you know, give us your list of favorite heap songs, you know. So everybody was going to do that. And I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to do something different because I'm sure everyone's going to choose all the easy livings and the gypsies and the, you know, the sweet lines, whatever it is, the hits, if you like. And um, so I went for the deeper cuts. And, and, and it, I thought that would be more interesting for the fans. So... Um, Anyhow, it was a great idea, and, and I, hope the, I hope the fans enjoy you know, all the individual choices. Do you, do you find that you lean towards, maybe not the hits, obviously, you're going to the deeper cuts, but do you find that you lean towards certain eras of the band more than others? Uh, not me personally, because I've been involved with everyone, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> probably someone like Ken and Lee would be in, in, in the era that, with it, that you know, they're tenured with the band, and same with Paul Newton. So, um, But me, I try to cover the whole lot, because it, it's very important for me to to treat the whole 50 years as a whole, not as part of a, you know, a successful period or a non-successful or a more successful period or whatever it is. <laughs> well, there's been lots of uh, those great periods. I, I do want to ask about a few of the albums in here, maybe a question about a handful of these. Uh, and I'll start with the beginning sure. with uh, Very Heavy, Very Humble. I mean, here is, you know, where it starts album-wise. It wasn't an instant classic. Uh, do, do you find that what you all were doing at that point wasn't recognizable to folks who were hearing it? I think, I think what it was, was, that there was we were in a band called Spice prior to Uriah Heat, and it was a four-piece. And um, Spice, we chose the name Spice because, you know, in, in the culinary world, there's, there's many, many spices, and we didn't want our music to be just one genre. We wanted it to be many. And so... It's a bleed over spice into into recording the first album that then became you change your name to Uriah Heap when we got a keyboard player that can easily come and join us. So, you know, on the first album there's a bit of jazz on there, wake up and set your sights, there's a bit of blues, losey blues, there's a bit of rock, there's a bit of metal with gypsy, there's a bit of everything in there, you know, folk, we come on Waverlinda. And so it was quite diverse. And then when we got to to Salisbury, our second album, um, we were pretty much on that tack. Only we were going more into a progressive rock era with with the actual title track. Sort of was twenty minutes long, and then we got to look at yourself. We, we travelled around the world a few times, and we decided we just wanted to be a straightforward rock band. And of course, Demon Voices were recorded, and that that took us onto the world stage, and we were off and running. Did you all, you know, look at yourself? Is looked at as a masterpiece by a lot of fans, by a lot of critics. 
did you feel it was really all coming together at that time? Like, could you recognize that in itself at in that moment? Yeah, I think I think our direction was found then, definitely. Um, you know, we just wanted to be a straight up rock band at that point, and I thought that reflected in that album uh, very well. And and then we we took it into another uh, sphere, if you like, with Wings of Dimmers and Wizards, where we not only um, musically we changed things lyrically, which resonated with lots of people you know, with the wizardry and stuff like that. And also by getting the artwork from Roger Dean involved on Doing the Wizards, it was the first time that we actually had an album and, and a cover intrinsically linked together as one product, if you like. The Wizards and everything, I mean, fantasy became a part of your lyrics and, and still, you know, finds its way in on the new music too. And, and you know, a lot of songwriters over the years, your taste changed, but that's sort of always found its way there. Do, do you find like you have to service the... I don't, brand isn't the right word that sounds kind of cringy, but, you know, sort of the persona of, of Uriah Heep to fit that stuff in there? Well, I think that we, you know, um, I think we have to stay true, to, even to this day, writing new songs, you, you, you write Heap songs, you know what I mean? You can't step too far away from it or, or get too, um, too away from what everybody expects from us. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the essence of it all, really. You know, I think writing songs... You write them, but, you know, there'll be a pile on the left that says, no, they're not for heap, and there's a pile on the right that are definitely heap, and they're the ones that we work on. So, yeah, we, we, we can't venture too far away from what, what we're known for. Um, although, lyrically, we only took we only took the fantasy lyrics, really, um, um, on about two or three albums, yeah. and then we let them by, you know, let it go, and then other people picked up the, man, the mantle and took it on to other great things. <laughs> Uh, you had mentioned the artwork in there, and that uh, that brings up this box set again because the magician's birthday f- uh, gets reimagined artwork. What's the uh, what's the story with that? Well, um, BMG wanted to release a vinyl in in the box set, and um, they spoke with Roger Dean about it because you know he, he was the most famous artist connected with us in terms of um, the artwork on covers. Um, he did um, Demons of Wizards. He did Magician's Birthday. And he also did um, I think it's the twenty fifth anniversary Sea of Light. And um, they wanted to use him, so they said to him, would you reimagine the artwork for Magician's Birthday? Um, he said yes, so they, they decided to um, you know, remaster it and, and put it in the box set as well, which, which is great. I think it's, it's a really, really, really great addition. You know, pulling further later on in the 70s, when you look at Firefly now, you know, here, here it finds you guys, you know, new singer, you're sort of finding a new sound. Did that, did that album feel like a reset to you? It was to a degree because you know we lost David. David had, had left the band, and um, and we got in John Lawton as our vocalist, who, who, who didn't have the charisma and the, the stage presence and everything else that David had. But he, he certainly had a set of pipes, and that's that's why he, he, he you know he, he joined the band. You know, purely on his musical voice, his voice was just amazing in his powerhouse. And um, I think John brought a certain element to the band. It was different to, to what David, how David would deliver a song, if you like. Um, but they were both equally good in their own way. But we went on to great success with, with that, really. We went, you know, to Innocent Victim and stuff. And certainly in Europe, we were, we were having immense success with John. And then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of pull later on in that, too, because for a band that stays around as long as you all do, it, it can be... It can be challenging to find your way. I never got that feeling with you all. Like, even when you look at 
the late 80s with uh, Equator and, and, and Raging Silence, which, by the way, fantastic cover of Hold Your Head Up on there. But e- even in Sonic Origami in the 90s, like the hard rock scene had changed and you all were still finding your way in it. Did, did you ever feel lost as the trends came and went? Not particularly, because I think, I think one of the big uh, changes happened um, in the 80s with, with production on albums and how people listen to things and how people want to listen to things and, and how things were played on radio, to be honest. Um, you know, with, with the Mutt Langers of the world coming in, you know, with Def Leppard doing 18 months to make an album and, and loads of producers were all going along that same route, you know, to a month to get a drum sound and it would drive me crazy. Um, we, we had to kind of bend a little bit with that and luckily in, in that Abominable album we had Peter Goldberg as a vocalist. We, we, he had a very radio-friendly voice and I think we, we, we pammed a little bit to the the production side of things because I listen to it now and it sounds like an 80s production <laughs> but it still sounds good yeah. and that's the important thing you know it doesn't sound dated in a bad way it sounds dated in a really good way well as I mentioned living the dream that you know that's the last time most recent time that we talked and everything and that had so many exciting moments on it uh, so that that brings up the question what happens next do you do you all see the next uh, step at this point well, yeah, we, we actually um, had a studio booked uh, in England. The same studio we recorded um, Chapel Studios, the same studio we recorded Living the Dream. Um, and we had Jay Rustin, the same producer. We decided to go the same route because, you know, it was received so well by the fans and the media alike as one of the best albums of our career. We thought, well, we'd take this a step further. We got it all booked for February, but then we went into lockdown here uh, in England um, for another month which is kind of throw things in disarray. So we're not quite sure whether people can come in and have to self-isolate for two weeks and whether we can all get together in a room or not. It's all been thrown in disarray. So we had it booked, but nevertheless, we're still writing like mad to, to, to get an album written. And so that when, when it all settles down and hopefully COVID disappears into the ether, we can get into a studio, do a new album. And all the shows we're in 2020 are now put in 2021. And we hope that they'll all come to fruition and we can get back to some normality. Well, I can't wait to hear what that uh, new music sounds like. Mick, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And again, congratulations on this, uh, this box set and 50 years of excellent music. Thank you so much. That's lovely, Carl. Thanks very much, mate. We can't wait to get out of lockdown and get into lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. We'll, we'll see you then. Cheers, mate. Right, bye for now. Now, of course, it wasn't that long ago, just back in 2018, the last time Mick and I talked, we got to uh, discuss their 25th LP, Living the Dream, uh, always finding their classic sound, writing topical songs, and at that point, plans for the upcoming 50th anniversary, part two of Kyle Meredith with Uriah Heep. Hello, Kyle. It's a uh, pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations on this really powerful new record. Oh, that's marvelous. Thank you very much, my friend. I mean, uh, and 25 albums, uh, I think that's the official count that I've been reading. Do you still... It is the official count. Yeah. (laughs) Have to get a birthday cake made with it, huh? (laughs) You know, this far in, do you still find yourself playing with how an album is written, or or have you settled into maybe the formula, you know, how how it happens from album to album now? I I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a writer, so I write every day, whether be a, you know, a, a riff, a core sequence, a, a, a lyric or a title or a blog or a book or a, or a story or something. You know, it's just something I do every day. So when it's time to get to do an album, um, I'll get with our keyboard player, put Phil Lanzon, who's my writing partner. He's, he does the same thing on keyboards I do on guitar uh, with the ideas. He's got the same work ethic. So we just get together and, and pull our ideas and start writing songs. So it's, 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 it's pretty much the same way, to be honest, because we... 
you know, we always do the music first, then we do the melody, then we do the lyrics, then we present it to the band. And it's incredible how it comes out. And I'll hit on some of these songs, too, you know, Graced by Heaven. I mean, that comes out just swinging like something heavy anyway. It seems like maybe we're making a statement right out of the gates. Is that the case? It is a statement out of the gate. You're absolutely correct there, yeah. We, we wanted to do that because we wanted to prove to everybody that, you know, where we're alive and kicking and we still have the same passion for our music we've always had. And I think Grace does that perfectly, and it dr- drags people in or draws people in, I hope, and then that shuts them down for the rest of the album. Yeah, and, and in fact, we don't really get to come up for air uh, until Water's Flowing kind of arrives, uh, which brings that acoustic back in. Do you, do you still find yourself, especially on a heavy record like this, do you find yourself needing or wanting that uh, you know classic acoustic sound to be found somewhere in there? Well, we've always had that to our in our armour, if you like, in nearly every album. So um, it's something we established way back in our first album. We're very, very, very humble. We, we, you know, we we had the you know the anthemic Gypsy, you know, which was very hard rock, and then we had something as beautiful as Come On, Belinda, which is an acoustic song, you know. So we've always had that, as I say, in in, in our um, armoury. So it was a natural extension for us to do that. You know, the song was written and it fitted perfectly in the, in, in the format of the album. And speaking of those older songs, uh, some fans have uh, have pointed out that Falling Under Your Spell feels like it has a little bit of that uh, easy living DNA in it. Is that, uh, is that coincidence, uh, wishful hearing from fans, or, or do you hear that as well? well when, I, when I heard it said to me, I, I nearly fell off my chair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't see any comparisons at all, you know, because easy living is just a shuffle, and Falling Under Your Spell isn't. So... It, it, it really surprised me that, that that comparison was made. But so I'm still trying to to get my head round um, how how that does sound like Easy Living. But it is a three minute song that has a lot of powerful elements in it, as as Easy Living did. So maybe maybe it's it's, it's, it's that they're listening to. Yeah, well, nostalgia is always strong with uh, with fans, especially when you've got a band that's been around for as long as you all have. You know, I, I do find that sometimes it's a very powerful drug, my friend. <laughs> In that classic set, when you've had as many members as you've had come and go throughout the years, and in separate times, how do you come to a point to find that classic sound? Or or is it even that you need to find that classic sound? Because, you know, I don't know, because, you know, this this sounds like a heap record at the end of it. It sounds like, you know, one from today, but there's still that there. Like, how is that completely possible, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, I think, um, you know, we established a template, a musical template at least back in the 70s with it with our first album and i think we've carried that all the way through you know if you've got the the hammered organ you've got the wah wah guitar you've got the five part harmonies that we have distinctive lead vocal i mean you apply that to any song it becomes heapy and that's exactly that's how we view it you know i mean we take the songs to um the band and they may have an inkling of heat but once 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 the band get hold of it it becomes heap in seconds you know um so it's just it's just how we apply ourselves to each song and i had to ask about it's all been said too because uh on the surface you know just that title uh, again when you've been around for about 50 years in this band it, it seems like that would sort of be the wall that you're you're playing against that it, that it's all been said there's certainly an element of that and well done for, for noticing that yes <laughs> Yeah, and what is the challenge? I mean, how hard is the challenge for you to, to kind of find something new to say and something new to offer in each new record? I think, well, you know, we're, we're a band that travel in the 61 countries around the world, so, you know, we're, we're out there, we see different cultures, different things happening in the world, you know. Um, as long as you've got your creative antenna out, you know, there's, there's plenty to write about. I mean, um, it's all been said was just a reflection on newspapers and how they present news and how people, 
you know, hunger for their very, the very next line to be written and how crime and celebrity sit side by side each other on a daily basis, you know. Um, so it's just a comment on that, really. But there's, there's plenty of uh, things out there. If, you, if you've got imagination, there's, there's no shortage of things to write about. Yeah. Speaking of that early, is it too early to start thinking about that 50th anniversary, or, or has that already been in your mind? It, 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 it keeps coming up, I have to say, you know, and we're, we're treating, because the, 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 the first album was released in 1970, we're looking at 2020 being the 50th anniversary, but we're absolutely immersed in the Living the Dream promotion tours and into, you know, the, the actual full touring schedule, and somewhere along that line, the ideas will flow and we'll talk to our management and we'll find something exciting to do in the 50th anniversary, because it's a milestone that not many bands have, have reached, and we're very proud we, we, we will have reached that, that, that milestone, and, uh, and, and, it, and it has to be celebrated, you know, for the fans alone. It is an incredible milestone, you know, and early congratulations on that, by the way. You know, <laughs> we'll get to the real thing, I guess, in well, a few thank years. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Uh, for the upcoming shows, how much of this record do you incorporate into the, uh, into the tour? Well, we're going into a rehearsal period on the 1st of October before we start a two-month run through Europe uh, to end at Christmas. And um, what we're going to do is, we, we, what we try to do is, we, because we travel in 61 countries around the world, we kind of get a feel for the songs that people like to hear uh, from a heritage, from our old stuff, if you like. So, you know, the July mornings, maybe the Steely and the Gypsy, or Easy Living, or maybe Lady in Black. Um, so we use that as a nucleus, and then we'll add in tracks from the new album. Obviously, Grazed by Heaven will be a... a an inclusion, take away my souls, an, an obvious stage number, you know. So there are obvious ones that will will pop in and, and, and see how it fits with the with the, with the with the historical stuff. And then we'll we'll look at some older stuff that we haven't performed for ages and, and rehearse that up and put that, put that in the, into the the, the the pile too. And so it'll be a set list that that actually goes from our first album, very heavy, very humble, 1970. Run up to live in the dream in 2018. I keep saying 2000, God help us. 2018. And it'll be a good journey through our career, our musical career, which is great. Well, that's a hell of a career. I noticed a couple other records are sort of. You know, celebrating their own big round anniversaries. I don't know how much stock you're, or you know, how much attention you give on that, but a record like Fallen Angel, you know, which it's 30 years earlier this year. Uh, is there any reflection on that record? Is there anything that comes to mind? Because that was sort of maybe the height of, I guess, mainstream popularity for, for Uriah Heep, right? Yes, amazing. We keep getting these milestones and anniversaries coming up, which is just <laughs> every time it's, it really does surprise me. Um, but marvelous. I mean, Fallen Angel was was an album that um, I think we'd we'd lost our way in the rock field, but found our way in the pop field. I think I think it got a bit too poppy and nice and polite as opposed to being a full on rock band. Um, Fallen Angel. It's still got good songs. Don't get me wrong. And I think John Lawton, the vocalist um, at the time, sort of made them quite rocky. But um, yeah, I think we were we were losing our way a little bit. From, from all the progressive rock we were doing and all the real rock songs we were, we were producing. But it's still a great album, and, and fans still love it. Same here, and just one little milestone in a very long career leading up to this this latest one, too. Uh, uh, it, it has been really fun to listen to the new record, and, and again, congratulations on this one, Mick. We'll be excited to hear how these songs sound live. Thank you very much, Carl. They'll, they'll sound great live because, you know, we recorded them live in the studio in the first place. So we can play the whole album from top to bottom with no 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 qualms at all on, on live. So um, we look forward to it.
Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. All right, man. Thank you very much for the talk and, uh, and take care. Thank you, Carl. Thanks very much, mate. Right, thanks bye. for your support. Thank you. Bye-bye. And again, my thanks, Mick Box and the new Uriah Heap Box at 50 Years in Rock. Big thanks to you for checking out the episode as well. Uh, before you get out, I do hope you hit that subscribe button. Again, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, wherever you like to get your podcast from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll send you three new interviews every single week. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, WFPK.org, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Please do like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd, because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.